This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Up next, to take on the winning streak, Wickham Wanderers visit Portman Road. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. I've got a confession to make, Seb. I know I founded this podcast. Sometimes I've been a little bit like, oh, I've got to go and do the podcast tonight. What the, what the hell am I going to say? I bounded down the stairs at the moment. I am, I am joyful to talk about Ipswich Town. Seb, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Who'd have thought that just being really good and winning every week would make things more enjoyable? I remember coming on these. Do you remember the post during the COVID season when it was all behind closed doors and we'd see an evening game with no fans in the ground? We'd lose 3-0 to Northampton or or Wimbledon or somebody and we had to come and sit on these shows and try and think of something to say for an hour to entertain people. Yeah, we've done the slog and uh, yeah, I think this is the, the, the rewards, isn't it? Yeah, some of them were absolutely brutal. You, you've made football fans sound very selfish there. It's like, all, all you have to do is win seven games in a row, not <laughs> concede any goals, spend loads of money on, have better players than everyone else in the league, and, and you'll be happy. Um, Seb, you wanted to check in on the last eight ahead, um, well, or rather post the flagship show at the, week, at the weekend. Where do you want to go with that um, particular conversation? Just want to get your thoughts. Obviously, me, Dave and Rich were on the flagship on uh, Sunday night. I think I managed to convince Dave that we were going to win the league. So I think he came around to the same thinking as me. Rich, there was no turning him. He, uh, he he kept trying to kind of make us, you know, step back a little bit and be a bit more considered maybe. But I just wonder what your your take on it was. Obviously, it's eight clean sheets on the bounce, seven wins on the bounce. So wins, wins away at two of the probably hardest games we'll, we'll play this season against potentially playoff rivals. Everything's amazing. Upward trajectory is amazing. Everything's green on all the uh, all the form guides. Just wondering what your your thoughts were on the, the the four sides going for the the top two at the moment. It's very difficult to control your brain in this situation, and by that I mean if I'm working analysing a league that Ipswich aren't involved in, I'm probably looking at this going Ipswich are coming like an absolute train. Look at their trajectory. Look at where Sheffield Wednesday are. Look at, and I was at the Pizza Cup final, and to say Plymouth shat the bed is an understatement. They absolutely phoned that one in. So we don't know how that's going to affect them. If I were 
neutral, I suspect I would be go saying, "Oh, have a look at Ipswich there." You know that. Look at look at the direction of travel of everybody. I think being a fan. Will you tell me? Does being a fan? It's a bit like the nepotism thing that you're actually harder on your son or daughter if they work for you than you would be. So maybe does being a fan? Do you overcorrect? Are you almost too harsh on your team? Because that's the part of me, the fan, says, blah, 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 Ipswich, blah, blah, blah. They always let you down. 20 years of nothingness, one promotion since 1992 or whatever. Um, does that does that make you do that? Because I, I would say from the outside, well, put it this way, if I'm doing League Two and I'm speaking to a Stockport fan, I'm like, oh, I fancy you guys to make the make the run into the top three. If I'm speaking to a Luton fan, I'm like, why not? You know, you can you can sneak up in there into the top two, can't you? Why not? Whereas, you know, be, being an Ipswich fan, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're all scarred, aren't we? Didn't Haven't fans gone and spoken to Ashton and explained how scarred we are over the last kind of 20 years? And I guess there is still that nagging doubt in the back of your head that traditionally we don't tend to get nice things as Ipswich fans, but... I mean, I've been, yeah, I, I went to Bolton. I saw the scenes at full time. I went to Derby and saw the scenes at full time. I had a full day of stuff planned for Friday, two days time We're recording this on Wednesday night. I had a full day of things planned for Friday, which I promptly cancelled everything on Monday. And I'm now going to go back for the day to see the, uh, <laughs> uh, to see the, the, the Wickham game because it's just a wave we have to ride at the moment, I guess. You know, I know what you're saying. You're overly critical of your own team. You have that doom and gloom of your own team based on previous experiences. And, and, and like you said, anybody else looking from the outside. Do you remember the year when Villa got promoted? And didn't they win something crazy, like 10, they, 11 on the bounce? They won to finish? 10 on the trot. Yeah, to finish Can in I the point playoffs. Out they had Jack Grealish, Tammy Abraham and Tyrone Mings in yeah. the championship. But Seb, we've, we've got two million pound fullbacks and a million pound Welsh international playing off the front now. So maybe, yeah, maybe, I, the, I maybe the, the levels. I had a mate at the time and I was saying to him, you'll win the playoffs because it's momentum. You know, you'll, you'll finish in the playoffs and the, the wave will carry you through. And he was saying at the time, oh, I'm not sure. You know, we've always got in us to, to mess things up a little bit. And they just didn't. And hopefully now we're in that kind of scenario where we'll tick off the, the, the games week by week. If we win our game in hand, it's back in our hands now. If we win the game in hand, obviously we're back in the autos. And uh, yeah, hopefully this wave will continue to continue to build and we can have an amazing end to the season for the first time in, God, 20 years or so. I know we say you should never do this, but if you did it also, this is another argument, if you did it purely on the data, you've got us getting in the top two, haven't you? Ev- literally everything, XG4, XG against, possession, shot counts, everything is, you see Ipswich at the top of all these. And to be fair, I know they've been at, we've been at the top of those um, rankings for, for much of the season, frankly, too, haven't we? So there you go, you could do it like that. Um we're expecting a bit of a bumper crowd for this Barnsley game, Seb. I, I said the other day, I've got a ticket. If it's all over by then, I'm not going. I'll just sit at, <laughs> home, sit at home in a grump and lose my money. But, yeah, I think they do sort of uh, 60% strip of that huge away end. It looks like they're opening up the, the other half as well. Sorry, the yeah, other another, 40%. Another, another couple of thousand tickets released. And I'm quite surprised that Barnsley have done that because it could be a big, big game. And, you know, we've seen in the past when sides will try and cut back, you know, give the minimum allocation that you can to try and give yourselves ah, a little Barnsley. bit of a yeah. home advantage. Yeah, fair play to them. It's a very decent thing to do because that could be absolutely massive. You know, that could be Seb, the two of us there. shooting Sorry it out. For... I was there for Barnsley Sheffield Wednesday. And of course, it's yeah. very local for Sheffield Wednesday, but brilliant. Hole away and completely 
ramp-pack full, and it does make a difference. Sorry, continue. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. It, it could be the shootout. Can it? it could be winner takes all with with regards to the autos with with two games to play each after that. So it could be a huge, huge game. Fair play for releasing the extra tickets. And yeah, five thousand. That must be the biggest away following apart from MK this season, surely to get you know five thousand. Derby felt very busy on there on Saturday, but that was only three thousand. So you're talking you know another forty percent on top of that. So that will be an amazing away day. And games under the lights towards the end of the season are always good as well. So yeah, can't wait for that one. Really looking forward to it. They start in daylight, don't they? And gradually yeah. dark. Oh, I got a little shiver up my spine thinking about it then. The only thing is, it's certain playoff games I remember starting in the light and they would generally be at Portman Road, the evening game in the playoffs. So, yeah, a few bad memories there. Um, we have nominations for manager and player of the month. Um, Kieran McKenna has been um, nominated, of course. Um, Wade Elliott, Mark Jackson, Stephen Schumacher. Um can I have a rant and make a sermon sermon on the mount, please, Seb? Are you going to mention the uh, manager's curse? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to mention. <laughs> the manager of the month curse is a coping mechanism invented by football supporters because the winner of the manager of the month is being rewarded for an above-average performing month. What happens after an above-average performing month is that you regress to the mean. You do not get worse. You've just gone from your best month of the season, probably back to normal, okay? Kieran McKenna will likely win the Manager of the Month award. It is not a curse. Winning streaks do not last forever. Are you, are you singing from the same hymn sheet as me here, Seb? No, it's a curse. It's a, it's a scientific... <laughs> It's a science. It's, it's a proven curse. There is no logic behind it. Your 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 logic does not make any sense. It's definitely supernatural beings at work. And he's but definitely going to win, obviously. He's going to well, win you know, it because they've, they've, yeah. won every, they've won every game. So yeah, yeah, was it four in the month? I think no goals conceded. And obviously, Christian Walton's been nominated for the the player of the season, uh, player of the month as well, alongside Alfie so May at Cheltenham, Jay oh. Stansfield at Exeter, and Joe Ward at Peterborough. So give that was Alfie May's double against Peterborough. Yes. In I'll oh, give. Alfie Mason. Yeah, but Walton me. saved the penalty at Bolton. He's not let a goal in. Surely he's in with a with a great shout. Yeah, they don't give it to both. It's a goalkeeper though, isn't it? It's not as sexy <laughs> as someone smashing the ball in from the halfway line like May did at London Road, is it? So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it'll go to Alfie May. Yeah, and um, and dare I say we'll get onto this in the um, uh, accounts reports coming out. There'll be an argument that playing up front and scoring braces for Cheltenham is a lot more difficult than playing in goal for Ipswich at the moment. I know that's not a pop at, pop at Walton, but that's why I think, you know, that they might might go with Alfie May. I don't know if that's a reasonable thing. Um, the moment some of us have been dreading, um, <laughs> possibly in terms of our inboxes clicking from our friends at Bristol City, but the accounts have come out, Seb. And as we probably expect, you know, it was, it was always so interesting to see exactly, you know, the pound note figure behind all the investment and all the all the chat. As as we're recording this at the moment on Wednesday night, the fans live forum is going on, and O'Leary and Ashton and McKenna are sat there in the in, in the club streaming on YouTube, and they're talking about it as well. But we've heard for two years now; it's pretty much what two years next week since the takeover, and obviously accounts come out a year uh, in, in in the past. This takes us up to the end of June last summer, and obviously we've heard for so long about all the infrastructure 
being put in, all the all the improvements at both the training ground and at Portman Road. We've seen the stuff on the pitch. We've seen the stuff in the squad and the backroom teams going from sort of poor Leo Neal juggling 72 jobs at once to suddenly having, you know, all these different department heads. Thanks for getting kind of mentioned. Structures, structures uh, <laughs> beneath them. So it was really interesting to see the, the the top line figure of what that looks like on you know on 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 paper. And yeah, you know, my overall kind of feeling was it's 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 about right. I'm not concerned about it personally. Um, I, I I quite like the stuff that they had with regards to the player trading to show you know with the, the money in versus the money out. It's not exactly like it's a a huge deficit. You know, a lot of clubs will see our spend, especially in January, where you're thinking we probably spent. God, what three, three and a half million quid on players and a hefty loan wages contribution for, for George Hurst. But if you look at the, you know, the, the trading aspect of the the Zell, the Downs deals, the players that we, we've moved on and the relevant sell-on clauses since then, then those kind of things hopefully are balancing out to to relatively relatively low. What I did like was the commercial income had gone through the roof. You know, we we kind of always say, you know, we're a bit of an untapped resource. Does that include? Ed Sheeran sponsorship. I, I don't know. Which it will include the sponsorship. Lizard. I don't know if it will include yeah. the shirts. I can't remember what date the shirt sales came out because we've sold something crazy like fifty thousand shirts, haven't we? I know we get a set cut from from the manufacturer, but it will include his sponsorship because that was announced just. I think it was just before the takeover. So that sort of summer 21 um so it's the first season of the ed sheeran kind of sponsorship but yeah that the commercial aspect of it i thought was really interesting because it had shot up dramatically you know under evans we kind of used to say he was a you know a, a, a tickets guy who was great at putting on large events and he never kind of looked to to milk so what, what's the term sweat the asset he never looked to sweat the assets that he had at portman road whereas the current guys are clearly doing that much much better so it's not a surprise that we've obviously you know lost a load of money we have to be wary that we you know we're in league one so with the kind of money we're paying for players both wages and transfer fees there comes expectations with that and they were very open in the accounts weren't they they said this will remain a loss-making entity until we get promoted to the championship and be honest probably in that league we will lose money as well it's just yeah it's just it's just the way it's going to be for now you know that the pension fund are incredibly smart people they'll have short medium and long-term kind of risks and and, and projections we're clearly a very very long-term strategy for them we know they're fairly liquid from their from their cash position, so I'm, I'm I'm not overly concerned about it. Nothing concerning came out, but maybe we should kind of acknowledge it and kind of you know show a bit of respect to the sides around us that yes, we we have this incredible advantage and we are very very fortunate to be in this position. I just really want to echo your last point, and the word I was going to use is humility, because we've been on the other side, and I've been on this podcast year after year moaning on about parachute payments when we're in the championship and relegated teams receiving five times more broadcast money, which then went into the books as good money on FFP. And it felt it felt like the rules essentially were, okay, we've got this rich owner. Forget the fact that he was at that point unwilling to actually spend the money. We've got this rich owner. He couldn't spend the money if he wanted to, only up to um, the £13 million losses. And then you see Fulham, 90 million pound wage bill to win the champ 90 million which um let's make an educated guess will be six times more than our wage bill will be in league one not this set of accounts this is a me hazarding a guess on what will come in that we've spent on salary this year that will be revealed obviously next year and i I just get very fed up, Seb, and even talking to Burnley fans at the moment. And don't get me wrong, Burnley fans are presented with idiots going, you're only top because you've got more money than everyone else. And whilst it is true that they have more access to funds, okay, they've sold, you know, Cornet, Nick Pope, whoever, um, 
I think the point people miss and your humility comment and respect comment is, is what does that look like for the other teams you're you're up against? And I just think if you're an Ipswich fan at the moment, you can acknowledge that the operational procedures look good, way better. It looks like the money's being spent well. Don't get caught up on, oh, transfer out was this and transfer in was this. The, the, I think the key thing is to have the respect for when you're going against Cheltenham to acknowledge your Accrington, whoever, that resource-wise, we are in this division like a parachute team in the championship or like a Champions League team in the Premier League. And I love what they're doing with it. I think it's joined up thinking it's been spent well. But I just feel, and I feel I'm being very preachy today, Seb, and people are going to give me a load of stick on Twitter, which I probably deserve. I just feel we need to have balance and respect for our opponents in League One and acknowledge we have spent well, we have got a good manager, we do play good football, but we are clearly better resourced than 90% of the league. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I agree. We have to acknowledge we've got this head start on pretty much everybody else. Like you said, we were in the championship year after year where we saw these crazy, ridiculous parachute teams who had, you know, play wages. Playoff semi-final, said 14-15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, didn't didn't Norwich have the biggest wage bill of any championships I'd ever at one point? I'm not sure if it was that year. Newcastle or beat it like the the next year, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So they yeah, we do have to kind of we kind of have to accept that we've been in the position of the you know the the, the Fleetwoods, the Accringtons, the Cheltenhams. We've been one of the, the the smaller fry, so to speak, in the league above, and we kind of punched above our weight for a little bit when Mick kept us competitive, and it was incredibly frustrating every week to kind of you know be talking about who we're playing on a Saturday, and they've got a, a striker on 30, 40 grand a week that we just simply you know could compete nowhere near. So yeah, it's great for us. We do have to kind of acknowledge that it it is there. It's a massive boost, a massive head start. It does bring pressure because obviously that with the money spent and the infrastructure, you know improvements there is a uh, you know a, an expectation certainly amongst the the fan base that you know that that, that will naturally lead to pr- promotion it doesn't always we have to bear that in mind however at the moment things are looking pretty pretty good um but we do have this massive head start on pretty much all of the league i would suggest yeah and to round that out a general point i think in life when you do have an advantage you sound more of a dick if you don't acknowledge it than if you do and the worst thing you can do is pretend that it's not there or something like that would be would be my my take. Um, should we talk about Wickham Wanderers coming up at the weekend, Seb? Yes, let's. Um, obviously, we uh, one of the, the the old enemies a little bit. I had this fear. I remember during our bad run of form, I was really worried we were going to finish third and they were going to finish sixth. And obviously, Ainsworth would just school us and they would absolutely shit out a, a victory in the first leg of the playoffs, like they did last year to MK. And, 30, uh, Thirty-one shots in that second leg, MK. Yeah, and uh, and we wouldn't be able to cope with it. But obviously, things have changed for for both clubs quite dramatically in the last kind of six weeks or so. Well, would you like to hear from someone from the Wickham end, Seb? What we'll do, um, I spoke with Phil Catchpole earlier, who is the commentator for Wickham and the face of Wickham TV. So what we'll do, um, it's about 10 minutes long. So we'll put it up here on the screen. You'll be able to hear it on the podcast. And Seb, if you want to interject at any point on anything Phil said, um, we'll roll in. So this is Phil Catchpole, Wickham Wanderers commentator. Special treat here on the Blue Monday preview show. I am with the match day commentator and the face of Wickham TV, Phil Catchpole. Phil, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well. Very much looking forward to coming to Portman Road again. Excellent. So, 
I've got so many uh, questions. We won't go chapter and verse. When we look at Wickham, we looked at this talismanic manager dragging them to heights that they've never previously been and a very, very good number 10 who a lot of League One were watching. I'm talking about Gareth Ainsworth. I'm talking about Anis Mimetti. Neither of them are going to be at Portman Road. Talk to me about how their absence changes the Wickham side Ipswich faced in December. It doesn't massively, to be honest with you. Um, it's a huge miss, Anis Mimetti. We'll do, we'll do the, the player first. Anis was a a wonderful player, a player that we've seen grow and develop into, um, I think, one of the best players in, or what was one of the best players in League One. Um, Gareth Ainsworth taught him the ugly side of the game that enabled him to go and do all the great things that he can do. Um, and he was doing those consistently and he's, has earned his move and it's great to see him in the championship. Um, but, you know, we've got other options in there and I think we he was very well supported when he was here in terms of the system we played and the players that we've got. Chen Campbell's come in um, it was told at the time, not a direct replacement. He signed the day before that Anis left. Um, <laughs> a lot of play, a lot of fans put two and two together and saw them and go, right, well, there's the, the direct replacement. Um, Chem's a really exciting player. Uh, he's got six Premier League appearances under his belt for Wolves before coming here. And again, I think maybe Wolves saw what we did with Anis and go, right, we need, Chem needs a bit of that. Um, so he's, he's sort of learned quite a lot of us, but he's also put in some really good displays as well, scored a couple of goals and he's a decent player. So he's, a, he's given us another um, another option there and he's a different player to Anis as well. So I think the element of surprise, whereas a lot of teams we saw coming to Adams Park on, on away games were setting up to kind of combat Anis for Messi. Um, so in a way, it's almost become a little bit easier because it means that teams have had to go, right, hold on a minute. Uh, they play a little bit differently, although we still... We're not getting it quite so much now, but under Gareth Ainsworth, it was always the uh, the uh, pre-match manager chat bingo of, we know what we're going to get, we know it's going to be hard, we know we've got to work really hard and all these other bits, um, which I've always thought did Gareth Ainsworth a bit of a disservice, if I'm brutally honest. Um, but um, I think other managers are now having to analyse us a bit more. Under Matt Bloomfield, we're playing a bit more football. Um, we're certainly approaching the final third in a, in a slightly different way, a bit more nuanced. Um, but um, I think in terms of the spirit, and that was the core part of Wickham Wanderers under Gareth Ainsworth, that remains absolutely intact. Um, I was up here when the day that Gareth left, uh, and 45 minutes later, Matt Bloomfield walks in. The players didn't know what was going on. As soon as he was announced, the buzz around the place was incredible um, because they knew Matt, the player, they knew Matt, the coach, and they'd seen how well he did at Colchester and they were so delighted that, that it was they saw it as a continuation of that spirit and and that's still there they still run through brick walls um so there isn't that many differences really um matt i think his challenge is, is that he wants to be his own man of course he does everybody does and they've got their own ways and he comes in in a very unique situation as a manager normally you come in uh in a window or at the start of the season or whatever and you get a bit of a project you know, he's come in, the project is up and running, you know, the project's almost over uh, and he's in a really good position and it's unusual for a manager to get that opportunity. Um, but he was the only option for Wickham in terms of uh, of what he offered us um, in terms of continuity, the love for the club, 
the relationship with the fans and everything else um and yeah it's it's wonderful to see that um that we we're able to get that done because someone coming in from the outside would have really struggled i think whereas um with matt we've got the best of both worlds we've got the continuity but we've also got a really exciting young manager who's really highly thought of in the game who's done a really good um short spell at colchester but made a big difference there um but to answer your question i don't think we're going to see much difference between the wickham that would have been there in another sliding doors parallel universe with Anis and Gareth there on Good Friday than we would with 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 under Matt. We've got a few injuries and stuff and and a few other things that he's had to deal with, but um, we've adapted really well and continue to do so. So, as a fan of a team that's on a winning streak, you're kind of it's very rare for Ipswich, and you're kind of wondering, okay, when's the winning streak going to end? How does it feel traveling there? Seven straight wins, eight straight clean sheets does I hope it does does that put the fear of God up you uh it does on one side but the other side of the coin is that these runs have to come to an end at some point uh and you know it's not often you get to sort of a team that can do eight nine ten consecutive victories um so you look at the probability of it and think well they can't win them all um and I know the neutrals like a lot of my mates who support other teams in league one in the Premier League will be looking at their long list at the weekend and they'll see a stubborn little awkward Wickham away at Ipswich and they might look to try and add a bit of value into their accumulator this weekend might well fancy us because we're that sort of team um, we did it to you in December no one fancied us to beat you back then and we did um, you did yeah we did <laughs> and I think that may well play its part on Friday because I know I know what the, the crowd are like at, at Portman Road they're going to be fired up because they'll remember that game in December um so that might that might play into your hands a bit um but yeah we, we are we don't really fear anyone in this division because of what's happened in the last three or four years you know we've been told you can dream and your dreams can come true we've experienced it so yeah we'll travel down the motorway I'm sure that fans will be thinking Do you know what if we get beat no one's going to really sort of make a big deal of it but if we win and we might then it'll be a great day so I would imagine uh, Wickham's success at Portman Road at the weekend would kind of be based on, you know, the, the things that we've complimented Wickham on on before, you know, stopping the Ipswich flow of, of passing, maybe sitting a little deeper, letting them have the ball around the back and quickly kind of striking, good set plays, you know, good game management, whatever, use whatever words you're comfortable with. We, we think it would look like look like that. Is that how you would see Matt Bloomfield approaching it? And the general question, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at uh, what you've got available to you at Ipswich, um, I think stopping that is um, a big thing. I think taking you on at your own game um, would be tricky, um, given the, 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 the respective tools that we've got available to each other. Um, you know, set pieces have always been key for Wickham Wanderers. And I think any team in League One, would say it and you know I think you guys have learned that this season as well as you, you can't pass your way out of this division entirely um there comes that period where you've got to grind them out and I think Plymouth have been really good at that this season that's what they learned last season when they came unstuck um so um I think with Wickham you have to earn the right to beat them I've always said that when we play the bigger teams um if Ipswich roll in to their home turf and think right this is a this is a three points we're on a great run of form we'll just pass these guys to death see you later you may well do that but in able to do that you've got to, you've got to put the yards in um and Wickham will work 
their socks off. And that that that's the same from from under Gareth and to under Matt Bloomfield. They will always do that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, you know, we might try and spring a surprise. We'll see what happens. But um, you'll be a settled side, I'd imagine, after seven straight wins. That may well play into our hands or, or one of your future opponents' hands as well when they try and find out where your Achilles heel now exists. Um, but yeah, I think we'll work our socks off. And, you know, if we do get that first goal, you know what happens. So we'll see. Um, but to answer your, net, your, your final question was, what do I see happening? Um, I think we go there under a bit of pressure because of where we are in the table and with the amount of games we've got coming uh, of, of what we've got left. This is by far and away, I think, our toughest fixture of our running. Um, but although we do have some teams down at the bottom who who are, you know, backed into a corner, so they could be volatile games as well. But um, I think we look at this game and I think if we can get something from it, we'll be really, really happy. Um, but, you know, we drew it home to MK Dons down the bottom of the table. It'd be very, very wicked for us to then go and follow that up by beating you guys at Portman Road. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, I must just ask before you go, and I don't want to throw you under the bus because I know you're good friends with Gareth Ainsworth, but what's been your take on QPR? Because it looks like he's got an absolute hospital pass of a of a job there. And, um, you know, it's, it's not going well. It may not be entirely... Um, his fault but it looks like a difficult one to solve what's been an answer how you see fit uh, what's been your take looking at gareth and qpr i've always said you know and i think a lot of wickham fans would agree with me on this wherever gareth went from here a lot of wickham fans would follow that team a little bit as well um you know and i've got no allegiances to qpr but i knew it was a basket case and but i also know the the hallmarks of what makes a successful gareth ainsworth team Listen, he nearly took us down in his first full season um, because he was learning the ropes. Um, but one of the unique things about Gareth was um, when he survived that, and he survived that through his positivity and by his just pure grit and determination. When he survived, he came back and was like, this cannot happen again. And he was big enough to admit his errors and, and learn, and, and he continually does that. He's one of the most humble managers I think I've ever spoken to. Um, so if I was a QPR fan who may be thinking, what on earth is going on i would say that the problems lie deeper than the current manager i think the problems that they've got financially um i think he's the man to get them out of the problems they've got because he's about your team spirit and about your leadership and i feel a little bit sorry for him he's got a bit hung out to dry on this sort of maori guy coming in and doing you know every time they lose that little gift's doing the rounds listen that guy came into came up here at the wickham wanderers trading ground and it's phenomenal what happened there. And it's a really clever thing to do because you work out immediately in the room who's on your side and who isn't. If I'm in a fight, who do I want next to me? And that's what that exercise does. And at the moment, it's just being used as a bit of fluff and they're taking the pee out of him a little bit for it. But that that is instructed to what's going to go on there in the summer, I believe. If he gets a transfer window or two under his belt, QPR fans will see a very different competitive side. They might not pass the life out of the championship, but they'll start winning games again, which I think any QPR fan would take at the moment because the, the, the run of form they've won is dreadful. I think they'll stay up because he'll find a way. He's a great man. Stick with him. He's the man for, for QPR, absolutely. Brilliant stuff, Phil. Um, if any of our Blue Monday listeners want to follow you on Twitter and just kind of check in over the weekend, because you, you're at all the Wickham games and commentating and doing all the background stuff, quite a good follow. So do you want to just give me Twitter a quick plug? 
Uh, I'm at Blunt Phil uh, and uh, at WWFC official as well, but at Blunt Phil's me. Um, and yeah, I'll be posting from from Portland Road if you want to see the uh, the other angle. If we win, maybe don't go on it after five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, always thank welcome. You so, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Phil. Nice one, mate. A pleasure. There you go, Seb. That was Phil Catchpole, the Wiccan Wanderers commentator. And uh, we, uh, it's always difficult when you speak to someone that actually works for for the other club because they can, you know, they're not like us. We can say what the we can say what the hell we want. Okay, there might be some consequences, but you know, it doesn't affect our um, our ability to put food on the table, does it? But um, what was your take on what Phil had to say on the state of things at Wickham, at Bloomfield, and what we can expect? Really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, really interesting to hear the kind of the 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 inside of the camp view. Obviously, we know them as being, you know, a, a side very much kind of moulded. Angels was there for was it nearly ten years, eleven years, maybe at a caretaker spell, and he gets the job, kind of full time, two thousand and thirteen ish. So we've played against you know Wickham a few times since we've come back down to this level. We kind of know what to expect from them. Personally, it wasn't never the kind of football that I like to see. You know, the kind of the the they must have the the lowest ball in play kind of stats in the league. We'll come on to a few of their a few of their. Stats shortly about how they kind of you know approach games and it's interesting to see what bloomfield will do with them i i, I like what he said about it being both you know a continuity employ, uh, employment uh bringing him across from from colchester but also keeping you know the the kind of looking to maybe evolve things and tweak things slightly moving forward he did a brilliant job at cole you didn't he i mean was it nine wins i think from his 27 games in charge there i can't profess Can to be in the caveat there was a big spend the window the yeah yeah window yeah, now i'm not i'm not saying that i'm just throwing that in as a you know they were right down the bottom and them and gillingham spent a ton of money in in january and you know it coincided with some of the wins not all of them sorry go ahead yeah, he had a couple of months, didn't he, before that? I think he went in start of October, end of end of September time. He had a couple of months to kind of bed in, but he still produced some pretty decent results out the bat. You know, they were in the relegation zone. They were struggling. They were in a, a pretty bad place when he took over, and he kind of stabilised them, and they have kind of dropped off and a little tanked. bit since he's... Yeah, since, since he's yeah, moved yeah. on, they've, they've tanked again and they're now finding themselves back in and amongst the, the, the scraps. So it'll be really interesting to see what he does. Interesting uh, when Phil was saying about how the kind of the, the play in the final third has changed a little bit. So, you know, it sounds like we can still expect the kind of, you know, well-organized, well-drilled back four with the, the solid base sitting in front of them of, of, of Scoen and, and, and Wing kind of, you know, those kind of hard-to-beat kind of central midfielders. But it sounds like they might vary things up a little bit in the, uh, in, in, in the front line. How's Mametti getting on at Bristol? I I can't pretend to know because he was so good for that first kind of half of the season. I thought we actually played him pretty well at Adams Park. I don't remember him being overly influential on the game. I think he got subbed, if I remember rightly. Um, so I don't remember him being amazing against us. But how's he getting on at Bristol? I don't know what the numbers are, but I know they signed him and it was like, oh, this guy looks this guy looks great. He's that type of player, though, isn't he? Looking kind of yeah. dribbly um, tricky. So I don't think there's been any issue with the with the step up for him. I did... Um, I did disagree slightly with Phil, and look, he knows way more about Wickham than I do. But surely, Seb, talismanic manager and the best player, surely it can't be the same difficulty level, can it? Well, in theory, it, it it shouldn't be. I mean, we saw. I don't know if people would call him talismanic, but obviously, Martin Waghorn is sold. Mick McCarthy departs, and you know, we kind of fall apart. I guess when when you've got a squad and a fan base and a coaching staff so kind of focused on playing one way, it can often take a lot more than, you know, a couple of months to really, really turn that, or a couple of weeks, sorry, a few weeks in Bloomfield's case to really, really turn that round. You know, he's going to need 
a few windows at least. He made a couple of tactical changes, but he's going to lead at least a couple of windows to try and try and get his you know points across. But yeah, I, I was really worried. Like I said earlier, I was really worried we would finish third. They would finish sixth and Ainsworth would school us. I don't have that fear now. If we were to finish third and they're sixth, I wouldn't have that same level of trepidation going into an away leg without Ainsworth in the dugout and having seen the Wickham sides from, from previous years. Do you agree with me that I always thought Wickham at Adams Park was a completely different proposition to... Wick, Wickham can control you at Adams Park, can't they? And you have those... Um, I was in the I was in the press box even when we won four one and you're kind of halfway you know you're over the halfway line and they just keep you in the in the corner for like and it's like three minutes five minutes and you're like yeah. how the hell do we get out of here and it's slow with all the restarts and then it goes straight back in the corner and you know it's I do, do you agree that they're much harder proposition it's much harder but a different proposition at Adams Park than they are say at Port Moreau. I think so, yeah, because they're also, you know, it's a, it's a tight ground. Ainsworth on the touchline with his long hair and his shirt halfway unbuttoned kind of adds a bit more <laughs> to the, you know, to the the narrative of, 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 you know, the kind of bringing that atmosphere together. I remember when he had those comments in the post-match, I think he said that our entourage was the biggest he'd ever seen and they had to give additional space in the corridor for all the kit and all the guys we bought with us. So, you know, they were kind of building that siege mentality of us versus them. And yeah, I, I've never actually been to Adams Park. It's not, it's not one that I've done, but I can imagine that it's, yeah, like you say, before you know it, you've been 15 minutes, you've created nothing, you've knocked out your half, the ball's been in play for three or four minutes of that time, and it just becomes a very, very long afternoon, which I guess Bloomfield will look to try and try and change. Like I say, I think he's done a bit of a tactical kind of tweak. They were very much a three at the back, weren't they, with with Ainsworth, but certainly he kept the three for his first game against Shrewsbury, but since then he's gone to a 4-2-3-1, and that seems to be his settled kind of preferred formation now. They obviously find themselves just outside the playoffs uh, they're what are they two points? Oh yeah, two points off Peterborough in six. Which I I find strange because they've been inconsistent since Bloomfield's been in it. It, it shows maybe the little slip by Bolton and then the bigger slip by Derby. I think so. Yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago on the pod, I remember saying I thought the top six was set. I thought it was and done. Andy and Warren was... said it on our Telegram chat, didn't he? Yeah, I, I remember saying it will stay as it is. The only decisions will be who kind of finishes in in what space. I thought Peterborough were too far behind after all the you know tumultuous first half of the season. I didn't think Wickham would close that well. gap. I thought it even less, obviously, when Ainsworth, Ainsworth departed. But the likes of Derby and Bolton have kind of had a bit of a wobble. And that's allowed, well, Peterborough to, to sneak in and, and Wickham to be right on the coattails. I mean, Bloomfield's record isn't amazing, is it? He's managed eight games so far, two wins, three draws and three defeats. They don't come into this game on amazing... Nine points in eight games. Yeah, they don't come into this on amazing form either, do they? They're away form. Uh, It's solid overall for the season, 27 points from 19 games, but their last five away is two wins, two defeats and a draw. So they're not coming here with any kind of, you know, real oomph or momentum behind them. And I guess that's how it'll be for the rest of the season as he tries to find out what he's got at his disposal, make some decisions on players moving into the summer window and Christ maybe try and sort of impact his his views and his philosophies in the remaining weeks of the season. So um, that's Phil's face. Let me just try and um, bring up on the other screen the uh, most recent 11 that you've already alluded to. If you're watching on YouTube, do hit the thumbs up button. Um, we'll talk you through it if you're not um, if you're listening after the fact. But I'll, I'll rattle through. I think you've kind of covered a fair bit of it. Um, Strychek in goal is good and has a good yeah. save percentage. But again, we found this with Bart Bialkowski that 
if you protect a goalkeeper with a low block, often they excel, don't they? And there's always a little bit of a, you know, element of that. Um, Farino and Tafazoli, absolutely gigantic centre-backs. <laughs> yeah. um, Jacobson is still there. And um, Mikey um, informs me that um, he won't want to go near Wes Burns on his own on the well, they've got, they've, Yeah, they've got an injury, haven't they? Abita is the, the normal left-back slash left-wing-back. He's been out uh, for about six weeks now, I think, or so. So Jacobson, I think Mikey was saying, is a, is a centre-half, isn't he? Playing out of position, 36 years old. All I can think about, do you remember when MK came to Portman Road in August and Dean Lewington was the left-back because they changed to a back four and Wes Burns absolutely destroyed him. I'm kind of hoping we see a repeat of of that kind of thing on on, on the weekend. But the full-backs, like you say, they they do provide that low block. I mean, Grimmer, Jack Grimmer is the, the right-back, only one assist from 35 appearances. This is not a full-back that will look to, you know, bomb on. They're very much drilled in what they do. They kind of prevent that space in behind, stay organised, stay compact and really look to suffocate the space to kind of choke teams don't they and just remembered when Mick played a back three of Stephen Taylor Christoph Berra and Luke Chambers Chambers was obviously fine Taylor only had to do the middle bit Christoph Berra did not want to go anywhere near yeah. the touchline bless him um as you've mentioned Scone and Wing double pivot was decent isn't that at league one level uh Wheeler TJ Debar might be a new one from Gibraltar I believe yep. but doing uh quite decent Chem Campbell as well uh on loan from Wolves um Hanlon up top, obviously, um, we've been scared of people like Sam Vokes before. But let's be honest, he came during the during the window, was it? Did um, Phil say, I'm trying to think when, uh, maybe towards the tail end of the window, it's Ainsworth squad, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, Bloomfield kind of, you know, he came after the window closed. So this is Ainsworth's squad built in his mould with players who are probably so well drilled from, you know, X number of pre-seasons under Ainsworth. They will still know exactly what they need to do. I mean, Vokes apparently is very, very close, apparently, according to the pre-match presser. So I wouldn't be that surprised if he makes an appearance. Handlin was the guy that scored against us. Um, goal, yeah. The, yeah, when he kind of out, by us. Yeah. It was, wasn't it? Out-muscled Humphreys. Burgess kind of commits himself very early. Handlin rolls the ball home and the one thing you don't want to do against the Wickham side, obviously, is give them the first goal because then you know exactly what you're going to have to face for the remainder of the game and, and try and break them down. I wouldn't be surprised if Folks does come does come back in, given you know his physicality and his experience. He's got six goals so far for the season. And we kind of picked out Lewis Wing as one of the ones to watch with eight goals and four assists from 37 appearances so far this season. He likes to get forward. He likes to drift right and kind good, of link up with good. the... Uh, 20-yard shooter as well. Very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He likes to link up with the with the right forward, who'll probably be Chem Campbell, the Garn loan from uh, from Wolves. And David Wheeler's a player who's who's pretty decent at this level as well. He can play anywhere across the uh, across the the three. He's kind of shunted out to the left because of Gareth McCleary's injury. He's due again. He's very very close as well. Vote uh, um, Bloomfield said so. Don't be surprised if he makes an appearance. Wheeler's doing a job out there on the left, but if he comes back in, then Wheeler will go back to the ten, and McCleary will get one of those uh, one of those wide options. Must note as well, Josh. Going as the kind of the the more the more defensively minded of the two, he, he loves a tackle, three point six tackles per game. Now to put some context in that, Morsey only averages two point two, and Luongo only manages two point six. So look out on Friday. I'd imagine there'll be a bit of a moment when there's a, a at least one of uh, Morsey or Luongo going straight on him. That should be a good battle in the middle of the park. Brilliant stuff. When I look back at the winning streak for a template, I'm probably looking at the Shrewsbury game for how similar in terms of an opponent would you would you agree yeah. with that and 
Um, I was going to ask you how, what do you think the game looks like? Does it look like the Shrewsbury game? I think so, yeah. Two well-drilled side, you know, from a Cottrell side, you know what you're going to get as well with big centre-halves, well-oiled, well-drilled players. They lost 6-0 last weekend, didn't they, to all, Charlton? All, all so. seven of the big centre-halves, yeah. Yeah, so they. I think, like you say, that's the most likely game. They're not going to come and try and take us on playing football. Uh, they'll be well well organised at the back, well organised in midfield, try and hit us with a little bit of physicality up front if folks is fit and a little bit of kind of quality from the central midfield position with, with Scoran and Wing. But the crucial thing in this game, I think I've said it for the far, past couple of weeks score early score first and you know you, you suddenly put a lot of these issues to bed don't you we scored against Shrewsbury Hurst got the goal was it midway through the first half I think it was and you know that straight away that takes off all the pressure that Wickham's game plan will be the longer they can grind this out keep it at nil nil you know look to frustrate us look to do all the little dark arts all the tricks keep the ball out of play as much as they can the more they do that it will feed into their hands so don't worry about it and take care of business score early score first and then you know hopefully we're in for another pretty comfortable afternoon talk about how Seb expects us to line up after this word from our sponsors. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge with more support. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Follow. 
So, Seb, we're at this point now where we've got this very settled 11, but it's the Easter double header. So yeah. you almost have to do the planning as I suppose the specific training would have. It's, it's like a week run, I guess, from sort of if you count the recovery on Tuesday next week, probably would have come in light on Monday. You almost have to count it as like a like a week's sort of worth of run. Um, let's put it to you this way: Walton, Clark, Wolfen, and Burgess Lee, Luongo, Morsi, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, Hurst. How similar and strategically? Um, it's Cheltenham, Cheltenham away on Monday, my yes, right? Cheltenham on Monday, yeah, away. Um, which, they are decent at home. It's worth pointing out they're not. Yeah, yeah that's not a Forest Green or a you know a gimme that, that they are decent at, at, at home. And you're on the road, and you're that bit more tired. What What are your thoughts on a um, sort of eleven, a selection, a tweak? Well, I, I think if we assume Davis is doubtful because it was a hamstring, wasn't it? McKenna came out and said so. If there's any doubt there with a the hamstring, you simply don't risk it because the you know the risk is too great. If you get it wrong and he pulls it and he's out for the rest of the season, that's a huge, huge blow. Greg Lee against a side like Wickham, where you're probably going to be facing crosses, you're going to have to be sharp at set pieces. He's very, very good aerial, as we know. So I've got no issue if he stays in. He was really, really good. He was blowing a bit at the end towards uh, towards the end against Derby because it was his first start since Same. Burnley away, I think. But do you agree with me? Sorry to interrupt. If we don't see Greg Lee or Nathan Broadhead for game one, we won't see them until Saturday week. No, I think I think McKenna likes to keep minutes in people a little bit, doesn't he? I mean, Broadhead got clattered on the touchline by Collins, but he did play on on Saturday and got subbed off a few minutes later. So I think I don't think he was he was that badly injured. I think what I would do, I would go strong. I'd go with what is now the established eleven. Any doubts over Davis? Don't risk it and pray Greg play Greg Lee with the hope that at sixty minutes you're a couple of goals up, and then suddenly. Broadhead, Burns, Ladapa, um, uh, Hurst can all come off, and you bring on the likes of you know Harness, Edwards, or somebody, and and, and Ladapo up front with kind of an eye to to the Monday game where you maybe look to make a couple of changes just to get that bit of rest into people. Maybe Ladapo comes in away to Cheltenham, maybe Harness gets a game there. But for for Wickham at home, I'd be going strong. You know, we've had pretty much a week. I know it's a Friday game and the Derby game was last Saturday, but it's pretty much a week between games. So that first eleven that's now established for me should be the ones to go with. And then if it's going well, you can make the subs, rest players, and then maybe look to give a couple of, not wholesale changes for, for Cheltenham, but a couple of players, maybe the likes of uh, Ladapo in for Hurst and maybe Harness in for somebody like Broadhead if you if you need to for the, for the Cheltenham away game on the Monday. We'll go specifically into our predictions in the predictions segment later on. But clean sheet, um, clean sheet streak, winning streak. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> It has to end. Both things have to end sometime, obviously. I just, yeah, I've, I have, spoiler alert, I have gone for a clean sheet and a victory in the predictions. I think the run will be maintained. I was that impressed with us at Derby, the way we, you know, we cope with things. I know it's going to be a very different game because, you know, Derby were looking to kind of play a bit of football. They kind of had to win. But equally, Wickham, probably if they've got designs on sixth, do have to try and get something. You know, a point for them would be a great result at Pullman Road. But, you know, they have to try and keep in touch with the, with the playoffs and as we know with 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 back-to-back games so quick between friday and monday things could look very different on tuesday morning if they do have a couple of bad results and drop out of it so the pressure isn't totally all on us there is a little bit of pressure on them to try and get something to to keep the touching distance of the playoffs but i think the the clean sheet run and the win will, will will continue for this weekend what do you think 
I was interested in what Phil said about winning streaks because I've researched this in the championship. So forgive me if anyone knows more in the League One thing. But a five-game win streak is not uncommon. Six is very good. When you get to seven, that will tend to be one of the best by any team in that league that season. And what I found is when it went to eight, uh, this is not a hard and fast rule, teams that win eight games in a row in a 46-game season tend to get promoted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Lumping yeah. 24 points onto your total that quickly. And then you mentioned Aston Villa doing 10 in a row. Like Burnley did 10 in a row in the championship. Bosh, no one's going to catch them after after that. So he's totally right that when you get to this point in the win streak, there, there's a reason why it doesn't go, yeah. doesn't ever seem to go too much further. I don't know Manchester City, when we're like 15 on the trot or something a couple of years ago, but that's a freak show with the one of the greatest managers of, of all time, or someone would go down as one of the greatest managers of, of all time. So I know what he means. And to go to the eighth straight victory would be, I'm not sitting here saying everyone who gets eight straight wins gets promoted, but um, it's, it's a thing in that certainly in the, in the championship research, um, and yeah, when we go to the predictions, you'll see. I, I think it might be, I think it might be on. Uh, to be honest, shall we, Seb? Hand off to you, and we will go to the um, predictions segment of the show. I'll let you. I'll let you take this one. Yeah, let's go for it. So my usual kind of partner in crime isn't here this week, so I can't gloat too much. Last week wasn't that exciting. If you've got the results from last week to bring up, it wasn't a vintage week. We had a few kind of correct scorelines, but nothing that was exactly right. So host, Rich, contributor, me and Telegram all got four points each. So there was no ground lost and no ground gained on last week. But that's in the past. And now we look at this week's game. We're only focusing on on Good Friday's fixes. We're, we're not looking at the, the Monday one yet. So if you've got the graphic to bring up for, for this week, we've very kindly had some contributions from Neil Wilmore from the Telegram group. He's provided the, the Telegram predictions. We won't focus on them all. Uh, we'll look at the ones that are directly going to kind of impact ourselves. We'll come to us last uh, and we'll do our kind of our thoughts on that. As a, as a summing up, but I guess Burton versus Barnsley away at Burton at the Pirelli is the first one on the list there. Now we've all gone for Barnsley wins. I've gone fairly comfortable, 2 0 to Barnsley. Neil from Telegram's gone 3 1. You've gone 1 2. So you think Burton will score, but ultimately Barnsley will, will take the points. Burton make loads of chances, don't they? You know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they, they properly, yeah, they ping it in the box, they get men forward, the throw ins going. So I think, I think they can score, but I think they might score that goal when Barnsley have already scored twice. Fair enough. Okay. Morecambe versus Plymouth. This is an interesting one. So I've seen <laughs> Plymouth absolutely battered on the weekend. You were there at Wembley. Was it 4-0 in the end it finished? 4-0 was it? To Bolton? Yeah. So they are, well, in theory, they should be, you know, proper low in terms of confidence. Away, they're nowhere near as good as they are at home park. I've gone for a Plymouth victory, 2-1. Telegram's gone for a 3-1. But you're the optimistic one. You think Plymouth might drop points at this one. Two all draw um, you've gone for. I'm just slinging that grenade in there for my own entertainment. Now, I, I spoke to a Plymouth fan on my vlog before the game, and I just said this throwaway line. I said, you know what, though? Sometimes that stadium eats teams alive, and it bloody at Plymouth alive. I tell you, they were awful, Sam. Yeah, the yeah. Bolton were very good, but you know when you see a team and they're just in shock, they go two down in, in 10 minutes, and they absolutely froze up. Um 
obviously it's an optimistic prediction, which is probably heart overhead. <laughs> but what you said about Plymouth, you can say the reverse for Morecambe, who flipped much better. You know, I think the worst away team in the league, but had a nice little purple patch at home. Talked about Shaw and uh, Crowley and Jensen Weir, the midfield three. They make chances. There's the Derek Adams factor as well. Um, they need to score the first goal, but, and we're in um, COD psychology mode, who knows what that might do to that might do to Plymouth. But yeah, um, optimism abounds there. It would be amazing if you're uh, if if you're correct. And talking of sides in kind of awful runs of form, we'll just end up with Wednesday before we go to our results. So they're away at Oxford, not an easy place to go, as we know. Sometimes weather dependent. They've taken was it three points from the last fifteen, three points from the last five Ooh. games. I don't think many of us predicted that they would drop points at home to Lincoln last week. We kind of thought that would be the game that gets them back on the sort of the, the the run they need to, to close in on the title. Now, you and me have gone for Wednesday wins by one goal. Telegram, Neil's gone for a one-all draw. That would be absolutely brilliant. Christ, if your prediction comes true for Morecambe Plymouth, and that's two drop points, and then Wednesday drop two points at Oxford and we win, we're going to be absolutely laughing, aren't we? So what's your thoughts? You've gone for a narrow 1-0 Wednesday, the default scoreline that's going to get them back to just grinding out results. Yeah, I think there's some... I mean, look... The Forest Green one, yeah, you can't explain that away. Forest Green were better than Sheffield Wednesday and deserved to win. I was at the Wednesday Barnsley game, and that was honestly, I certainly know it's four two, but was one of those games where Barnsley literally score their first two shots. Wednesday fight back, fight back, two two. Darren Moore then had nothing on the bench. If he if he had Kieran McKenna's bench, then I think they would have won that game. They'd have come back from two down, and actually gone on to win it, it settles, and then Barnsley get a second wind, and and they go and win. Cheltenham, okay, they got themselves in a tiz, they fought back. Uh, Lincoln, I actually disagree with you, Seb. I thought Lincoln would be one where you could see the classic Mark Kennedy sit behind the ball, one-all draw um, come in. So I was probably more surprised by the Cheltenham one, but when you look at the numbers, that kind of plays into what you were saying, that's 25-odd shots or something. I always worry when a manager is changing his goalkeeper, though, and um, yeah. he's gone back to... I always think that's a bit of a Hail Mary. That's a bit of a... I don't quite know what to do here, so I'm going to I'm gonna make this big call and I'm switching out the the goalkeeper. We saw um, Paul Seahurst Hurst in, fall yeah, on his sword. Yeah. yeah, miserably um, trying Lambert, that. Lambert did it in the first year down. Do you remember he kept chopping and changing between Holy and Norris all the time as well. So, But then Stockdale kind of... The, he was at fault, wasn't he, really, for the Lincoln equaliser. He pushed it back yeah. into play. So maybe they go back to Dawson again this weekend. <laughs> oh, there you Can go. You now he's, now he's, you really, he's really done. What I will say is the excellent um, George Ellick, who is an Oxford fan, um, did seem to suggest that Liam Manning is not going all MK. And they were quite pragmatic against Peterborough, who they drew, drew against. So it might be a very low margin game. If it's a low margin game and it goes to form and quality, Sheffield Wednesday will win it by one goal, as both you and I have suggested. But, you know, if it's really in their heads and all the Wednesday fans I'm talking to on YouTube, oh, Ben, we always bottle it. This is typical Wednesday. This is just like us to to do this. So um, I, I think they'll be back. They'll be back at it. And um I think Patterson's back training. I think Wilkes is nearly ready. Yeah. It's Byers and Windass that we're Windass, waiting for, yeah. isn't it? They're, they're but, the big two, aren't they? Yeah. 
Yeah. So was that was that a similar angle you were taking? That's what. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to think that bad, like we were assuming that good wins kind of you know can't last forever. Equally, bad wins can't last for bad runs can't last forever. They're a reason they are up there. It might do them a favour being away from Hills for this weekend because the the crowd there were not happy were they in that Lincoln game. So it might do a bit of a bit of a favour being away this weekend. And I just think at some point they will get themselves back on form. And whilst Oxford isn't the easiest place to go, hopefully I'm proved wrong. I just think they'll get back on uh, on track with that one. And that brings us to us to, to to wrap up with. So it's a clean sweep across the board. You've gone oh, one no. nil. I've got two nil. Telegram Neil's gone three nil. So we all think both the winning run and the clean sheets are going to uh, are going are going to make and go for another week or so. One nil. You've predicted. Do you think that'll be a nervy one nil or a... exactly what I was going to say? Okay. Um, an oft-quoted game on this podcast is Ipswich versus Crystal Palace um, at <laughs> yeah. the end of the uh, 99-2000 season, where um, nothing in the game whatsoever, and just everyone's high on the team. The stadium's full. Expectations are high, but it can start to get nervy at this time. Yeah. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. I hope if we're in nervy game mode that, you know, it's not late deflected equalisers flying in off someone's backside in the 96th minute and it is scraping one nil wins. You, you almost kind of want us to play badly and win, you know, at some point just to, just to get it get it out of the way. Because would you agree all the, all the wins in the streak have been, okay, maybe got... Things went for us against Derby, didn't they, in the context yes. of the timeline yeah. of of that game. But it was hardly a, you know, oh God, we were we were lucky there. You know, it was it was okay, 50-50 on a disallowed goal, maybe, and um that could have swung things, but we played well, well otherwise. But yeah, I wonder I wonder whether it's a nervy one, Seb. Well, even as long as we get the three points, it doesn't matter. I guess the important thing is it's a sellout already, isn't it? We must thank Wickham for their contribution. I think two hundred Wickham tickets have been sold, haven't they? So you're gonna have oh, really, not yeah, you can have twenty eight thousand eight hundred Ipswich fans and, and two hundred Wickham fans there. So I guess the I important said, thing like, that can add to the nerve sometimes. It can do. No yeah, way. Like you, say, you referenced yeah. that Crystal Palace game. I remember Stockport the year before when Magilton scored in the pouring rain oh. and the nerves were shot. All we had to do was somehow get a victory. It didn't matter how we got it. We just had to get over the over the line, didn't we? So it might might be one like that i think the way we're playing i think it'll be a bit more comfortable and i'll save your scrappy one nil get the points and get out of town for, for Barnsley or peterborough away <laughs> yeah oh good yeah well that's the thing those games will be i i i don't worry about those games. look they'll be nervy anxious occasions but it'll be good games won't they it'll be yes. the two teams of Barnsley will think they can beat Ipswich. Ipswich will think they can beat Barnsley. Peterborough will think they can beat Ipswich. You know, yeah. that will be a... Whereas Wickham might be, like you said earlier in the show, um, oh, can we can we get this crowd moaning? Can we yeah. shut them up? Can we get them booing us on our throw-ins? Let's make this uh, an anxious atmosphere, let's just say. So that's kind of where... You know, similar goals, weren't they? David Johnson, low one in the corner. Jim Magilman, yeah, Wayne, low Wayne one in the Brown, corner. long ball forward, I think. And yeah... The uh, big big players step up on big occasions, Ben. So John oh, Johnson yes. takes it down and smashes it home. And then Jilton the down. year, yeah, the year before. Oh. Then Ashley Cole, remember Ashley Cole was the Palace left back on loan from. The, I had a moment in that game where I looked in the program and actually went, 
who's this guy? <laughs> uh, look, oh, he's on loan from Arsenal. Okay, I, I get it now. He's really good, isn't he? Yeah. He'll probably do all right in his career. And yeah, how many Premier League, FA Cups and Champions Leagues later? But yeah, then the one before with uh, yeah, pouring rain, Magilton kind of smashed one side. I think he side-footed it from from distance. And again, all we all we had to do was win, but there were definite nerves that night because obviously the, the importance of it. I guess we might have to put up with those kind of games later on in the season, but hopefully we'll come out oh, on the right side. Sam, I'll go back to my comments at the top of the show put up with it i'm bloody loving it isn't it great yeah. to be in this you know incredible um you know whatever happens we have to we have to um kind of preface saying it isn't it great to be that type of drama um yeah that rather we, than frankly in the late 90s and you know if we've got any younger younger listeners who aren't used to this where literally every game that isn't won is all that's it. Do you remember going to West Brom and Matt Holland slipping and scoring, but it was 1 1 and we dropped points. And it was, yeah. oh God, here we go. Bradford drawing at home to Oxford. Oh God, we're in. Oh, I'm going to lose to Birmingham. Away we, you know, <laughs> away we go. But isn't it, isn't it great to have this nervous energy? Great to be involved. We should enjoy it. I think Mikey said it about four or five months ago. This is what you want to go to to football for, isn't it? You know, for these kind of big games that matter at the end of the season. There's something about football in the spring that I love, both evening games on the weekend. The weather's slightly nicer. The games tend to have a lot riding on them. So there's that natural air of excitement in the in the pub beforehand, in the in the town on the walk down. And yeah, it's, it's great to f- be involved still rather than, you know, working out, are we going to finish ninth, 10th or 11th this season? And who are we going to release it in, in, in the summer to try and make a difference next year? In the pub, before the game, Seb, surely you can be more specific than that. Absolutely. There is only one pre-match <laughs> pub destination in Ipswich on there on Friday and any day, to be honest. Of course, we are brought to you <laughs> by our great friends at the at the Greyhound pub. Uh, I'll be there. Rich will be there. Dave normally pops along. I don't think Craig's there this week. I think he's away uh, away in the States. But yeah, come along. And you'll see some of the Blue Monday team there, no doubt, in the pods. Get yourself down there. They've got a new burger, the George Hurst burger. They haven't revealed what's in it yet. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be in it, but the George Hurst burger apparently is going to make its debut. Open at the normal time of, I think it's 11 or 11.30. Get yourself down there and, and come and say hello if you see us. Get your gums around George Hurst. I won't say me. I don't know um, what it will be. I, I can't work out what it would be. Maybe it'll take a while to get going and then it will kind of, yeah, really look to, to kick off. But big, big name burger, big reputation, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and um, hey, why don't you join us on Telegram? We had the inaugural Blue Monday Telegram curry the other day, which is absolutely tremendous. We all went to a lovely Indian restaurant in the centre of Ipswich um, Thursday night, um, which is a, a Telegram uh, exclusive there. You can you can get a two-week free trial. If you were to do that right now, you would see um, today's Telegram exclusive with – or yesterday, I think, possibly. We're recording on Wednesday, whatever, whatever day this ends up going up. Um, with Graham Mack of BBC Radio Suffolk, all the questions come from – the Telegram um, subscribers, none of our nonsense. You set the tone. Um, he answers. We had Ali Maxwell from Not the Top 20, uh, Sam Parkin. We had Matt Holland as well, all exclusively to Telegram. And for absolutely free, you can come and get a two-week trial there. We are behind a paywall after um, that. But we hope that you will think that the little community there that we've fostered um, and what we give away every week for free is worth a little subscription fee. Now, best laid plans, Seb. Easter is hard when you're trying to yes. run a podcast. <laughs> yes, um, we're, we're all over the place. Um, I'm I'm at ITV double days, so I'm not around. We've got people coming from 
all and sundry across. Uh, so we're expecting Dave and Rich to be doing the flagship on Friday. And yep, it's a double Friday flagship, night. hopefully, on Monday. It will be uh, Craig joining Dave and Rich as well. And the plan is, as Seb says, you can come and join uh, both of those guys. Um, sorry, both of those shows live over on YouTube. If you are uh, a podcast old school audio person who listens in the car or on a walk or in the gym or whatever. Um, great. We would encourage, do get involved over on YouTube and come and join in the debate, join in the comments there. And there's nothing like live, is there, Seb? We love it. Very much so. Yeah. And also keep your eyes out. We've got a little mini pre-match, which we'll probably record on Saturday for a Sunday morning release, a mini a mini version of the show focusing on Cheltenham. That will go out with me and Rich. We'll, we'll work out when we're going to record that. But I'd imagine a Saturday record for a Sunday kind of teaser one before the, the, the main event on the Monday. And Rich asked me to mention as well, he's on Life a pit, Life's a Pitch. Is that Mark on, Murphy's on last Life's a Pitch? I think so, yeah. Are they announcing be, that Rich is taking over from Mark Murphy? <laughs> the scenes, can you imagine? <laughs> the scenes. The limbs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's on there he's on there on on saturday morning so make sure you tune in to hear rich on that um brilliant stuff so really really enjoyed it big thanks to phil catchpole if you do want to um have an interesting experience check out the um wickham commentary that will be phil um can you still do that and i follow presumably i, I think you can you can change the the you can change the feed can't you change home or away so yeah there you go so if you watch after the after the fact um on i follow um, but guys, loving your support at the moment. Uh, podcast numbers, as you can imagine, uh, fantastic. We really, really do appreciate it. We're loving it. And uh, last word from you, Seb, on the streak, possibly continuing. Of course, it's going to continue. Yeah, it'll be nine clean sheets on the bounce, eight wins on the bounce, three more points in the bag going into the final seven. Come on, you blues. Wise man say eight game winning streak equals... It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.